Good morning. Um, it's uh, 11.31. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us and I, I trust you're well. It's uh, week number 12. Uh, it's Trinity Sunday and we're going to mark that with a special uh, one-off sermon on the subject as we seek to do every year. Uh, tonight I want to make a couple of announcements but tonight we have at the beginning of our Christianity Explored course. Uh, it's at 8 o'clock on Zoom and you can still sign up for that if um, if you want to do that on our on the links on our Facebook page but uh, you also it's, it's good to, to think about inviting someone and there's still time to do that as well and if you want to invite someone and go along with them if that helps them to attend uh, you can do that and um, I can again share that link with you if you need it uh, later if you want to contact me or it's on the Facebook page. Um, our prayer meeting is also tonight at 7 o'clock and we're meeting on there from 6.50 and um, we'll um, we'll again uh, be posting the information about that this afternoon uh, when Hannah uh, sends it to me and um, also uh, office bearers are, are meeting on Tuesday at 7.45 again on Zoom and we're giving Zoom plenty of airtime uh, this morning but um, it's really helpful uh, for us to use that platform and we're so thankful for it. Um, this is um, this is a time uh, together when we gather around God's word and we need his blessing and we're going to seek that now. I'm going to bow, uh, we're going to bow together and I'm going to lead us uh, in a word of prayer. So let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, Father, uh, you are holy, 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 uh, Lord God Almighty, a God in three persons, uh, glorious uh, Trinity. Father, we thank you for sustaining us in another week uh, in this present uh, pu- public health situation. Uh, please, uh, we pray, continue to provide for us. Uh, we, we thank you for uh, technology uh, that enables us to, to gather like this, uh, for WhatsApp and Facebook uh, and FaceTime, where we can con- uh, contact one another and stay, uh, in some sense, uh, close uh, together. Uh, we pray that you keep us uh, closely knit together as a church family. Father, we really desire that. Uh, we pray uh, for those that are struggling uh, in these days with uh, physical illness. We pray for those struggling uh, with uh, mental illness. So we pray for those struggling spiritually, Father. Uh, please, uh, we pray uh, for, your, for help. Uh, we pray uh, for um, a sense of um, sustaining from your word this morning and help uh, in what is said. I pray that everything uh, we need will be given to us uh, and we know it has been provided for us in Jesus Christ. Um, we pray you pretend, continue to protect our church from COVID-19. We thank you for helping us uh, so far, Father, but we do pray that that would continue. We pray for parents, Father, that are at home uh, with with children and trying to keep them entertained and indeed educated. Father, please give help there. Uh, We pray for those uh, working from home and and all the challenges that that brings. Um, And Lord, um, we pray for grandparents, even missing family. We pray for those that are uh, shielding, Father, and uh, and have a little bit um, of a sense of freedom coming, Father, but we pray that that would even continue um, and that the virus would continue to recede. Yeah, Father, uh, help us um, in all of our issues and concerns not to become so inwardly focused, uh, to forget to, to look outwardly, Father. And we do pray as we reach out with Christianity Explored tonight that you would use that uh, for your glory. Uh, we pray that you would put people in our hearts to, to invite even this afternoon. Uh, and we pray that you enable us to be courageous uh, and uh, also uh, that uh, we would uh, see many, Father, even coming along and joining tonight uh, in that. Father, um, we, we long uh, for your blessing. We long for the gospel to spread in these days. We long for people to be added to our church, Father, so that we can um, see them grow and discipled in the Christian faith and indeed baptised and indeed brought into our number. And Father, as we turn to your word now, we pray that it would come alive in us. We we thank you for it. And we thank you for this opportunity uh, to look at this vital doctrine of the the Trinity uh, not as an academic head knowledge sort of thing, but because it's vital to know you as you reveal yourself in your word uh, for no 
showing you is the stuff of better worship and relationship building. And we pray that that would be uh, our experience and uh, joy today in our Saviour's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I hope you have your Bible with you. Uh, please turn back with me uh, to John chapter 5, uh, that passage uh, which uh, Rodney read for us. We'll be turning to uh, another passage as well, uh, so keep, uh, keep uh, your, your Bible handy for that. Uh, Jesus uh, has been um, having these disputes uh, with uh, the Jewish religious and political leaders. Uh, we've seen this uh, many times in our studies uh, through Mark's Gospel, uh, which we've undertaken over the last couple of years. But here in John's account, uh, it's the same sort of story. Uh, you'll recall that they have, uh, have many rules that developed uh, yes from the Old Testament law uh, but expanded on and in many cases expanded on significantly uh, and they demanded the people stick to all of these rules. Uh, that The man wasn't, was, was asked why he was carrying his, his bed uh, after he'd been healed and, uh, and the rules concerning the Sabbath uh, were uh, in the really special category. They, they expanded the one day and seven regulations on, on work uh, and, that, uh, and those really mattered to them uh, for keeping the Sabbath was, was actually to be their distinguishing mark as God's people uh, making them different from all the other nations who did no such thing the Jews uh, of course all knew uh, that God created the world uh, it's there many times in the Old Testament uh, in fact turn with me uh, to Psalm uh, number 104 if you have uh, that, uh, if you can do that, please. Psalm 104. I want to read some verses uh, that, that help us to see this. Psalm 104. And look at verse 1, Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. Uh, you are clothed with splendor and majesty, uh, clothing yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the cloud his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. Verse 5. Now he set the earth on its foundations so that it should never uh, be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above uh, the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. The mountains rose, the valleys sunk down to the place that you appointed for them. It was God who, who, who made all this. I keep, keep your place there in Psalm 104, you'll need it in a moment. It was God who, who made everything that you see and know. All that those astronauts in the International Space Station can look down this morning and see below them, right? God created it. He made it. But God didn't just create the world and, and leave it to tick by itself uh, like, a, like, a, like a watchmaker uh, winding up his new giant clock and letting it go. No, he also, God also sustains his creation. He's involved, in other words, day by day. Look at verse 24, uh, Psalm 104. Look, cast your eye down to verse 24. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom uh, have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Uh, here is the sea, uh, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable. Living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan which you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. Uh, when you give it to them they gather it up. Uh, when you open your hand they are filled with good things. Uh, when you hide your face they are dismayed. When you take away their breath 
they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. You see it there, God renews and sustains and gives life. He's intimately involved in the running of this place. Without him, the animals don't eat and neither do you and I. Without God, there's, there's no breath for any of us. Without God, there, there is, there, things would cease to exist. Indeed, you could say that you are here today because God has given you breath. Deuteronomy 32 verse 6 summarizes this well. Speaking of God, it says this. Isn't he your father and creator? Didn't he make you and sustain you? But hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Doesn't that mean that, that God works on the Sabbath? I mean, he can't really have a day off, right? Uh, the world would, would collapse. Uh, it, it would fall apart. Uh, he, he has to be there to provide food and breath and, and, and much more besides, right? Without him it would cease to be. I mean, that sounds like he makes the rules and doesn't stick to them himself. The sort of thing that gets senior political advisors in all sorts of trouble, right? This is a bit of a sticking point in... Uh, a point of debate in Jesus' day. Uh, for it would appear that God does work on the day of rest. Some people got around God working on the Sabbath with, by saying that, well, he's God. Uh, he can do as he pleases. Others, well, they thought of it along these lines. For, yes, the rules about the Sabbath uh, observance uh, and work are, are, are strict, right? But, but there were certain things that you could do in your own home, in your own house... If you needed to. Gathering. Uh, you, you can't gather apples in an orchard on the Sabbath. But you can gather them in your own home. If, you, if they dropped off the table. Right? Uh, trapping an animal. Uh, you, you weren't, that was considered work. You weren't allowed to do that out in the field. But you could trap an animal in your house. If, 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 a, if a rodent got in. I mean if something needs your attention. In your own private property. If it cannot wait. Right? If it needs your attention right away. That's fine. And the earth is the Lord's house. Well, we read it in Psalm, 105, Psalm 104 verse 5. He set the earth on its foundations. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He built this place. He, he, he can work in maintaining it. And it's right into that climate that Jesus wades here in John chapter 5. If you turn across to that. Jesus has just healed uh, the, the man uh, who was lame on the Sabbath by the pool of Bethsaida. Uh, yet rather than, than seeing uh, the, the miracle as a, as a good thing and, and can celebrating the wonder of Jesus at work and considering even if this was God among them, no, the Jewish leaders are enraged. There are none so blind as those who will not see, we say. Healing. I mean, that's work. Okay? Uh, you, uh, could, could he not keep that sort of thing to the start of next week? That's the way they're thinking. Verse 16 says it there plainly. This was uh, why the Jews, that's, that's the word in John used for the Jewish leaders, not all the Jews, the, the, the leaders. That was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. They were persecuting him over it, we read. Consider firstly this Trinity Sunday, the unique son. Look at what Jesus answers them in verse number 17. My father is working until now, and I am working. 
right into this debate uh, about God working on the Sabbath, Jesus, Jesus speaks, right? And he says, God the Father works on the Sabbath, and so do I. And this is like a red rag to a bull. Uh, they, they really were cross about his answer. Why so? Well, firstly, not only was he breaking their very dear and precious, specially extended Sabbath rules, right? But he was also calling God his Father. Now notice... Now notice he didn't say in verse 17, uh, the Father, or our Father, like, like the Lord's Prayer. No, it's my Father that he says. He's claiming something, he's claiming something one-off about his relationship with God the Father here. The nation of Israel is called God's firstborn son in Exodus 4. Uh, David is called the son of God in the, in the Psalms. Kings of Israel, uh, like Solomon, uh, are referred to as the son of God. The angels are even referred to as sons of God in, in the Old Testament. But there is only one unique son. He uses the title son of God in verse 25. And it's, that's, that's the, that, that, that is in a unique one-off sense. When he calls God my father, he does so in a unique way. He is my father to Jesus because he's the son of God in a sense like no other. For he is the only one who has always been the son of God. Before the world was made, the son was the son. It's true to say that the son is the son because he is, uh, that, that, that is his relationship with the father. You can't be a son unless there is a father. And you can't be a father unless you have a son. And it's always been so with God. The father and God the son. And they and God the Holy Spirit are in community. In an entirely fulfilled loving relationship. Verse 20 says for the father loves the son. And the son loves the father. John 14 tells us that plainly. And the spirit, the spirit loves them both. The foundation for all loving relationships, no less. And an eternal relationship between the Son and the Father in the Godhead is to be understood here. But this is not without difficulty. When we try to bring this very normal human relationship into our understanding of the Godhead, well, we hit some major problems. Because when I tell you that this is Boris Johnson... And this is his son, Wilfred. Well, you take it from that piece of information that, that, that Boris existed before Wilfred. And that, he, that Wilfred derived his being from his father who brought him into existence with his mother, Carrie. And you'd be right. But not so in the Godhead. Uh, yes, the relationship is there. Uh, he is the son of the father. But... But not in the sense that one precedes the other in existence or that the father created the son. He's not the son from Bethlehem onwards, in other words. He, he is the son and has always been the son, eternally. To say the son of God in his eternal relationship with the father it is not that he at any time began to derive his being from the father but because he is ever uh, and he is and ever has been the expression of what the father is the bible uses son of in that sense all the time sons of the kingdom sons of light sons of disobedience sons of peace sons of thunder 
all showing in some way the expression of a certain character. And the Son is the expression of God. Uh, Hebrews 1 verse 3 says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He's the one who is in relationship as the Son uniquely. He's the one who expresses the fullness of the Father uniquely. He, uh, he reveals what he's like in other words. So that he and only he can say if you've seen me you've seen the Father. And so he is the one, the only one who can uniquely call God my Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He's a unique son. Secondly, he's the equal son. As we wrestle with the difficulties of this, um, take comfort. Take comfort this morning in the fact that the Jews of Jesus' day are not in any doubt as to what's going on here. Look at what they very clearly understand and believe about this. As soon as Jesus opens his mouth and says, My father, they want to kill him. That's the severity of this. That shouldn't be missed. Verse 18, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, uh, which they were already persecuting him for, but he was even calling God his own father, very important, making himself equal to God. You see that? So, so, so calling himself uh, the unique son, calling himself the son of God in a special way, means he is equal to God, equal with God to them. They get it. They, they, they get it that he's saying he's the expression of God. They get it that he's saying he's God revealed. They get it that he's saying he's God among them. And they can't have that. If he was an imposter, they would write, They would be right to be angry, for that would be blasphemy. I mean, I mean if, 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 this, if this afternoon someone comes on Twitter and declares them to be, themselves to be God's son, you, you, should, be, you should be highly sceptical. For that would put them on an equal footing with God. And unless it is the unique son, you should cry blasphemy. But not, as is happening in Jesus' day, if he's fulfilling the scriptures perfectly, living a perfect life, showing signs of his being, demonstrating God's power and authority over sickness and demons and the weather and even death. Even death, verse 21, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Jewish leaders get it. Jesus is claiming to be the Son in the sense that he was equal to God in nature and in being, uh, to be fully God. Uh, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, Colossians 1 verse 19 says, as the epistle develops this for us less clued in Gentiles, but the Jews get it. The Jews get it. He's claiming to be in a father-son relationship with God the Father. And to be the one who displays God to the world. And you see what's happening here? God works on the Sabbath and sustaining the world, right? And so Jesus says, I can work on the Sabbath in sustaining the world. And healing the paralyzed man at the pool of Bethsaida. Right? And fixing things that need fixed, Right? Because he's equal. Equal in being. Equal in essence. Equal in eternality. Equal in glory. Equal in honour. Equal in power. Because he is God too. He was there at the beginning. When the world was made. 
John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, he was there at the beginning as the one who the Father made the world through. Uh, creating all things, John writes, were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Working in creation, the Son. And also working in sustaining. Hebrews 1, end of verse 3. The Son upholds the universe by the word of his power. He's sustaining. It's his house, right? He can, he can work on the Sabbath to sustain it. To, to keep the place running. The essential work. He, he's a key worker, right? He's got to keep the place running. He has the authority as God to listen the rules that were more than were required anyway. So he's allowed to heal on the Sabbath. Thank you very much. Thirdly, notice the distinct son. So he's equal with God, right? In power, in being and glory. So it must be uh, like one God with, with, with different masks on, right? Sometimes he's the Father, uh, sometimes he's the Son, sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. Well, no. I mean, some have incorrectly taught that there is one God in like, I don't know, like three moods. Uh, Father mood for the Old Testament and Son mood for the start of the New Testament, which he switches to and then he switches to the, 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 the Spirit mood for the age of the church. No, that's called, that's called modalism. That's an ancient heresy. And that's not what the Bible teaches. We know this because the Son has conversations with the Father. Think about it. Think about Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17. A whole chapter, right, where he's conversing with his Father. Or when he's just about to raise Lazarus from the dead in John 11. And he says this. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on the account of the people standing around. That they may believe that you sent me. Father and son have a conversation. So there is some sense of deference clearly. I mean he's, he's equal. But clearly the son is not the father. And the father is not the son. I mean, you get this again and again and again from verse 19. As you read it, it becomes very obvious. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Uh, For whatever the Father does, the Son that the Son does likewise. Uh, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom he wills. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Uh, That they all may honour the Son, just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son, does not honour the Father who sent him. I mean, it becomes blindingly obvious, doesn't it? Whatever's happening, if it's just the moods of God there. I mean, that's... That's a, that's a charade, if, if that's what it is. I mean, I mean, how can the father love the son in verse 20? If it's all a charade, that just becomes a nonsense. No, no, we're forced to understand God differently as he reveals himself, as he reveals himself in his word. Only one God, but revealed in three persons. One being three persons. All of them uh, are all there is of God. Uh, not, not one circle uh, divided in sort of three like, but one circle where each of the three are the whole circle. Get your head around that one. But that's the fullness of God that, that, is, that is each of them. One what and three who's. We teach the children. Two of them shown here clearly. As Jesus repeatedly states. The Father and the Son. 
two persons interacting with each other. Yet both fully the one and only God. I can give you that one Bible verse. I've already mentioned it. The word was with God. At the Father's side. And the word was God. Equal with the Father. Fully God. The unique son. The equal son. The distinct son. And finally this morning. The judging son. The Father and the Son are clearly united. Jesus is, is, is not a, a separate God, or a rogue God off doing something different. Uh, that's what verse 19 is, is explaining. They're, they're united. Uh, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. They're united in giving life to people like you and me. Uh, the Father raises the dead and gives him life, and so also the Son gives life to whom he will. If they, if they choose to do so, I mean, that's very clear, isn't it? But there's no dispute between them. That the son doesn't say to the father, oh, I'd have given life to her. No, they're united. Entirely united. The father raises the dead, verse 21, and so the son raises the same group of people. And in some things the father even delegates to the son, like like judgment. Look at verse 22. The father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. Co-creator. Co-sustainer. And now the judge. The judge which, which reminds us that it matters how things turn out in our lives. Being separated from God is, is not an okay option. Uh, the creator has, has set a time for all of us to appear before him. And it's Christ the Son that will appear before. God the Son. Verse 27, and it says this, and he has given him authority to exercise, execute judgment, because he is the son of man. And this life giving and and judgment are, are tied together in verse 24. Verse 24 is very important. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death onto life. You get the sense of it there, don't you? It's... It's one or the other. Life or judgment. Isn't it? So to obtain eternal life, you you have to hear Jesus and believe the Father who sent him. You have to accept the gospel on offer. Uh, You you have to hear him speak in the Bible. You have to listen as he says, repent and believe. You have to listen as Jesus says, you know, I am the way, the truth and the life. And you have to respond in faith. You have to accept the offer. You have to trust in the offerer. Otherwise, otherwise you return to your default path, which is the path of judgment. Life or judgment. You don't get to judge God. No, 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 he judges you. You don't get to tell him what he can do on the Sabbath. When we went to, to the Louvre in, in February in Paris before the world went mad. Remember back in, before that, um, we, we went to see the Mona Lisa the most famous uh, painting in the world and when we eventually found it for the place is so massive it's incredibly big uh, imagine me going uh, right up to it and, and coming away and saying ah, it was poorly painted it was small, I mean there was a massive one across the wall from it which was much more impressive I mean it's all about it was all about an anticlimax really me seeing it I mean, I, I, I'm not that impressed it's, 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 it's overrated don't bother going 
I mean, apart from the fact that Leonardo da Vinci isn't the slightest bit interested in my opinion, I don't get to judge the Mona Lisa. No, that, that actually says more about me, doesn't it? It's so renowned and accepted as a wonderful piece of art that it judges me. And that's the same with God the Son. This is his house, right? It's his gallery. And we're his creation. And he made us. So he sits over us in judgment, not the other way around. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, the Bible says, and after that comes judgment. He holds the keys to eternal life. And and he gives life, real life, eternal life. And one day, he will speak and will raise those in the tombs to life. Either to the resurrection of life or to the resurrection of judgment. Which is it for you? Are you you living your life in in light of this appointment with God the Son, which you'll keep? Let's um, think again of the wonder of the God that we worship. So complex that we will never fully understand all that there is to understand about the Trinity. But yet so amazing, so different, so wonderful, unique and that the son is an equal that he is distinct he's a different person and yet the one who will judge the living and the dead when we're all raised to either life or to judgment let me bow for a moment in prayer father we we come to you and recognize uh, the the uniqueness of your son The Lord Jesus Christ who reveals you to us. Who reveals God to humanity as the God man. Help us to live our lives um, in light of our appointment with the Son. Help us to recognise that in him there is the keys to life. And uh, to give you the glory with our lives. I pray this in our Saviour's name. Amen. Let's let's take some time together uh, to remember the Son, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, uh, in his uh, life's work. Um, As he he goes, um, he sets his face uh, to to, to Jerusalem to to obey his Father, uh, to go to the cross. When he he displays there uh, God's love for us, when he displays his willingness to submit to the Father's plan of redemption, when he, when he bridges the uh, God and man gap as both God and man. When he, when he saves us. When he, when he purchases a people for himself. When, when, when he in his own body bears our sins and iniquities. When he rises again on the third day to show that his work is complete. Let's take a moment, shall we? In, a, in quiet, if, if possible. To confess our sins to renew our covenant commitments to Christ, to restate our love, our devotion to the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us, for going to the cross, for obeying your Father, for purchasing us 
as your people. And we commit our way to you again today in all your glory, in all the wonder of who you are, in your relationship with your Father and the Holy Spirit who dwells inside us as we believe. Amen. I'm going to pronounce a benediction and then we're going to sing together, uh, There is a Redeemer, uh, Jesus God's own Son. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and evermore. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen.